This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. To Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. Hello. Hello, Frank. That was very quick and to the point. Yeah, I don't mess around. You don't sound very excited to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> I respect the time of our listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, this is part two of episode number four of Cinema Fix, focusing on the film The Eyes of March. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong episode. Go back. Listen to part one. Yes. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, you should be aware that this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general non-spoiler discussion. And the second part, which you're listening to now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film where we do get into spoilers and we talk about what really does and doesn't work about a movie. And it's designed to be listened to after you listen to part one, but we won't hold it against you if you just listen to this one. No. I, well, Frank might, but I won't. No, I, I'll let it slide. Okay. I'm more lenient than you are. Frank, you and I had a pretty good discussion in part one. We concluded that we both liked the film overall. It's a pretty good political thriller. Before we dive into things, let's play another clip. It says we're going to help people get an education, we're going to create a national unity, we're going to teach young people a trade... And we're going to get them out of debt for their college loans. Now, where does that fail? All of that's exactly right, Governor. It's just if you're going to do it, do it. Make it mandatory, not voluntary. That'll pull well. Mandatory. Everybody who turns 18 or graduates high school gives two years of service to his or her country. And for that, your college education is paid for, period. Paul likes this. Mm -hmm. The beauty of it is that everybody who's over the age of 18 or past the age of eligibility will be for it. Why not? And all of the others can't vote. Too young. Okay, Frank, let's talk about the Ides of March. Let's talk about it. In part one, we were talking about how the main theme of the film seems to be that conflict between winning and being a person with integrity. Yes. And the idea that in order to win a, an election, you'll probably have to compromise some of your principles. Yes. And... In this film, everybody behaves in a really shady manner eventually. Everybody either has some secret or something that's going to inspire them to play dirty. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You keep looking for the person who's going to be, like, your rock, like the most normal, like like a decent human being. And they everybody at some point does something where you're like, oh, it's not so great. I, I kind of disagree with you there, Frank. Really? I think there is one character who does keep his integrity throughout the entire film, and I personally thought he was the most interesting character in the film, and that is the character of Paul, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is the uh, basically the campaign manager for um, Governor Morris, played by George Clooney. Mm-hmm. And Paul has a very interesting character arc. He's this he he's he's the primary campaign manager. He's trying to get endorsements from a senator. And Ryan Gosling's character, the protagonist, basically his fall from grace begins when he has a five minute meeting with 
the uh, campaign manager from the opposition, played yeah. by played by Paul Giamatti. Just a just a dinner meeting in which he's offered a job that he turns down. Yeah, he turns it down out of loyalty to Paul. Yes, but he doesn't reveal that he had the meeting, and he implies everything is okay. And later on, Paul, when he discovers what has gone down, fires him. Yeah. And basically says, you were not loyal. You kept a secret. Loyalty is the ultimate currency in politics. And you screwed up, and you're fired, basically. And while I was thinking to myself, okay, I think you're overreacting a bit because really it was just a meeting. That's all it was. On the other hand, I found myself thinking afterwards that, you know what, if you look over the course of the film, nobody stays clean. Everybody's dirty in one way or another. Everybody has a secret. And in that kind of environment, if you do want to stay clean and you do want to keep your integrity, you really do have to be pretty cutthroat when it comes to those things. You really do have to accept no mistakes. I agree with I would I agree with that to an extent. You know, I don't think I would have had as big a problem with what he did if he had just fired him. Um, I, I would have understood it, even though I, I really don't think Ryan Gosling's character. Yeah, he he took the meeting out of, I think, vanity out of flattery, and you know he he didn't tell him about it. But I, I honestly don't think he had anything he thought needed to, he needed to know. I don't think he thought anything good would come out of it. Well, I will see. I don't think so either. I think he had pretty good intentions overall. Right, but. At the same time, I think the the film seems to be implying that it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. Right. You know, what matters is that you made that choice. And, you know, if, if you compare it to, say, someone like um, Governor Morris, played by George Clooney. Yeah. He never intended to get involved in a big sex scandal. He never intended for uh, this, this, this intern to get pregnant and for her to have an abortion and for, them to, for it to lead to this blackmail situation. But he did make the choice. Yeah. And ultimately, that's how it played out. Um, and that, you know, you could argue that that was a choice as well made out of vanity. I agree. Um, I, you know, but I think my, my real problem with the Paul character was what is that he leaked the story to the press and basically, which would have basically destroyed Ryan Gosling's career in politics. Like, he, his right. career would have been over. That I thought was taking it a little bit too. I mean, he, he argued that it would be better for the campaign that way. Well, of course it would be. But, and, it, you know, as somebody who, I mean, at this point in the film, he, he doesn't know about Governor Morris's yeah. big secret. He He's a guy who seems like he has integrity. He thinks he's supporting a, a candidate that has integrity. And if you want what's best for the campaign, then, it, but 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 at the same time, you've got to get rid of an element of your staff that has been doing, has made a choice that that wasn't perfect. Right. And you need to to set it up in some way that that there won't be blowback. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what's great about the movies that it it initiates conversations like this where you and I are going back and forth about morality, as where you know I think that. Um, you know, the mistake Ryan Gosling's character made wasn't an insignificant one. I don't think it was made maliciously. Um, and I, I think it, that's one of those, the ethical dilemmas raised is, you know, in doing everything you can do for the campaign, at what point is it okay to just go screw this individual? Essentially, 
this young man, this kid, and just obliterate his career. You know, just basically make it so he'll never be able to work in politics again. And he does it so cavalierly and so, in a way, kind of self-righteously. It, it, it just really seemed like an under – it seemed like an unnecessary – I understand how it benefited the campaign. It just seemed like an unnecessary step to just crush this kid for – without really being provoked. I agree to some extent. I mean it was definitely very cutthroat. Yeah. But I do think to some extent he was right to do that because, you know, as he gives – as he says in his big speech, you know, loyalty matters in this game. And if you do anything that could be perceived as a sign of disloyalty, then you got to go. You, there's just no no room for you. I think that's fine. Then fire him, but don't don't you know make it so that the rest don't throw away the rest of his life. I don't think that's. I mean, fire him, but don't. I don't know. I mean, I mean this is politics. You know, as he as he kind of tells him, this is the big leagues. You know, you make one mistake, it's all over. I mean, if word gets out about Morris's scandal. His co- political career is potentially completely over. Yeah, and at this point, he, it's it's ironic because at this point, during this conversation, he um, Paul has no idea, has like no clue, right? That this is just dangling over his head at right. this moment, right? And so I, you know, the, the 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 theme of the film really does seem to be, you either get your hands dirty, yeah, or you're completely clean. There's no room. There's no middle ground. You're either this really conniving, manipulative person that plays everybody around you and to some extent destroys careers, or you are the candidate or the staff member with integrity that does nothing that anybody can ever hold against you. I I would agree with that because it feels like once you even compromise just a little bit... you got to go all the way. You keep sliding. It's a steady slide down in... That's what was so great, I thought, about uh, Clooney's character, Mike Morris, is, you know, I got the sense that, aside from the fact that, you know, he slept with this intern, this really young girl, which I'm not condoning in any way, other than that, it seemed like he, he honestly believed in what he was preaching to get elected. And they even had that other scene where they said, you know, you got to make this guy, in order to get his endorsement, you got to put him on the ticket. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. He'd be horrible for the job. So he does have – it's just an interesting character because he does have levels of integrity. And he's trying to hold – he even resists bringing Ryan Gosling back on because he, he doesn't want to be blackmailed into doing stuff. Right. And, you know, you've as um, Gosling brings up at one point, you know, as president, you can start wars. Yeah. You can destroy the economy. But you better not have sex with an intern. With an intern, yeah. yeah, that's that'll that'll kill you. So it's definitely a film about how I think one mistake can lead to just a slide into corruption, as you brought up, and also about how in in politics there really is no way to stay to to keep your integrity and win. I mean, if if you take the perspective that I'm taking, which is that Paul, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman is the character with the most integrity in the end he still gets screwed over you know yeah and in the end his loyalty and his integrity and his refusal to compromise really doesn't matter at least in terms of his career mm-hmm. he's the one that winds up going to a consulting firm at the end of the day yeah so the, the message seems to be 
if you keep your integrity, that's great because no one can blackmail you or manipulate you, but you might have to get dirty in order to win. And if once you start getting dirty, you got to dive right into the mud. Yeah, it's inter- it just it's interesting if, if they're saying that that's like the inherent nature of the game because really, who among us is perfect? Who who among right. us would be able to go into an election and say I have nothing that you could dig up in my background that I'm not ashamed of? Right. And uh, I mean, I'd be interested to get your perspective on uh, the Molly character, the one played by Evan Rachel Wood. Um, you know, to me, you know, you 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 say Paul is the one with the most integrity. Um, you know, to me, Molly seemed a lot like an innocent victim. You know, obviously she made a mistake in sleeping with the governor, but, you know, everything from there, I, you know, I genuinely felt like she's this girl who just, through one really stupid mistake, dove in way over her head. Right. And just, there was no way she was going to get out. She's, she's definitely the victim here, and she does meet the most tragic end. You know, you know I'm not quite sure how I feel about... Her suicide, mm-hmm. that seemed a bit possibly over the top and, and melodramatic. It came very quickly, I think, it, when she couldn't. Right. You it's know, like, wait, wait, wait. You're going to kill yourself just because Gosling's not picking up his phone? Well, you know, I will hand it to, to Clooney, though, uh, in terms of a director and the way he staged all that so close together. Because, you know, I, this is was another interesting part of the movie, I thought. you Because know, I honestly thought, just in that buildup, you know, him driving over to talk to Paul Giamatti's character... I honestly thought that he was going to go and blow that story wide open. You know, if if instead of Paul Giamatti saying, I can't use you. Right. If he had brought him on staff, you know, I was about 99% sure that he was going to tell him everything. You know, and and I love that little moment where I wasn't sure the tension from saying, you know, is he going to go ahead? Because he's going to ruin this girl's life if he comes out with this story. And, you know, it made me buy that, that she believed she believed that he was going to go through and, and blow it open. She believed he was going to take that step, and that's why I think at the end I, I was okay with her killing herself. I was I, I get where you're coming from in terms of it did come really quick, but I think that the way Clooney staged it as director to me helped sell it. Okay. I'm curious as to what you thought of the ending mm-hmm. of the film because we follow our protagonist, Ryan Gosling, who – continues on this slide and uh-huh. is basically forced to get really dirty, get Paul fired, blackmail Governor in Morris career. in order to save his career. And the the final scene is an interesting parallel to the first scene of the movie. In the first scene, he's setting up for Governor Morris's speech. He's making sure the sound is working. He's testing everything out. And at that point, he's the ideal candidate. This is the uh, optimistic young staffer. Yeah, the idealist. Yep, and uh, both of them, as far as we know, are pretty pure, upstanding upstanding individuals. And then the film ends with Ryan Gosling about to go on the air and talk to the press again. He's got the microphone ready, and at this point he is now the complete opposite of that. He is the dirty politician, the candidate that he is supporting has this dark secret that can never be revealed. And I thought it was an odd place to end the movie on with just this slow zoom into Ryan Gosling's face that cuts away to black before he begins to speak. I loved it. I thought it was just one of those things where you see him thinking, thinking, thinking as this little thing in the microphone in his ear talks about integrity and things like that. Um, and it's almost... he. 
I loved how the very last image was him kind of looking up finally to meet the audience's eyeline. And it's just, it, it made me think of all, all these images of, you know, they say when somebody's honest, they can look you in the eye. And he, he seemed to really struggle then to kind of get up and look the audience straight in the eye and say, because you know he's about to go on and, and basically bullshit all this stuff about well, integrity. Well, do you? Well, do you? Or, or, you know, at that point in the film, has he reached the breaking point where you he's think, finally just going to come clean? You think he's going to confess? Well, yeah, I don't know. And that part of me thinks, you know, I, I had mixed feelings about the ending. Part of me feels like it was a bit of a cop-out mm-hmm. because it cuts to black and we don't really see what he says. We don't really see what happens. And so the ultimate implication is that his arc was from pure upstanding individual to total manipulative scumbag. And I think that's fine if that's the story Clooney wanted to tell. I think he well, told right. it. Right. But see, I'm not sure if I buy buy it mm-hmm. for him as a character. Because yes, even though he is concerned about his career, you know, at the beginning of the film, he does really seem to believe in this guy, Governor mm-hmm. Morris. He really does seem to support him. He really does seem to be behind him. It really does seem like he admires that guy. And to find out about this scandal mm-hmm. and to unwittingly get involved in this this secret that ultimately leads to the death of a young girl, I'm not sure I completely buy that he would f- fully accept that just for the sake of his I don't career. Know if, I don't know if it said that he has fully accepted it. I, you know, I think it's... I, I, you know, as the film was going, I had this weird image in my head. I was thinking, well, okay, maybe, I, you know, I, from from the way it set up his character, I got the impression that if he loved this guy, Governor Morris, so much, and if, you know, after everything that has happened, from the fact that now this young girl is dead after he drove her to get an abortion, that's such an incredible thing to take responsibility for, I almost imagine that he would end up hating Governor Morris for not being that ideal candidate, for not being the one of integrity, for being an individual for whom all this stuff ultimately happened, and for, for being a candidate that isn't who he says he is, that might, maybe it's not all going to be worth it if he gets elected, if he's not going to be this really upstanding guy. And I had, my prediction was that he was going to wait. He, he was going to be so incredibly um, disenchanted by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He was going to help Morris get elected president and then blow the whole thing or, or be on the road to president. That was my and guess, then, too. And then blow the whole thing and be like, you know, this is my ultimate revenge yeah. for being for, – for, for not being who I thought you were, you know, that you will – have the presidency in your sight and I will take it away from you. That's what I thought. I thought he was doing, kind of pulling the reverse of the scam Paul Giamatti played with him, which is that he ropes in this guy they need the endorsement for, links him to Clooney's Morris and then blows the whole thing open so that everybody's tainted, Right. that nobody can have this guy either. And, you know, it made me think of Michael Clayton, another George sure. Clooney movie, in terms of the arc of this guy who gets just so mucked down in the mire and his attempt to – I thought it was going to go in a similar direction where he attempts to pull himself out. And in this one, um, you know, I think it was just he reached a point where he he became so disillusioned just with politics in general where I think he, he took it – he saw he began to see politics as a business 
as opposed to it's just something you win as opposed to an idea you're driving towards. And that's why he's just, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my job. Well, I think personally, I, I would have appreciated at least seeing the first few lines of whatever speech he was about to give mm-hmm. on TV. I would have liked to have some indication of where he he ultimately is, is headed with this and how he's dealing with this situation. Is he going to go on TV and continue to lie through his teeth about integrity and about how his candidate is, uh, you know, doesn't compromise and is such a great guy? Or will we get some indication that maybe he's fed up with it and he's he's just going to ultimately try to, as you mentioned, pull himself out mm-hmm. of this corruption? And we don't really get any indication one way or the other. It does just kind of end. And while in some films, you know, a lot of directors will like to do that because they'll be like, oh, it's artsy and it's ambiguous and it's more interesting that way. This was a case where I didn't feel it made it more interesting. I thought it was just kind of the simple, easy way out. I I understand what you're saying. I just feel like it was a good ending, I think, to the story he was trying to tell of, this, of, the, of what the system does to this idealist. And I think that the end of the story was, was him having sold out and having to, live, having to live with that and reconcile that with himself. You know, I, I think the subject of how he reconciles that is fodder for a whole other movie in itself. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I would gladly almost watch that character in another movie just to see how things work out. I, like, I want to see how this administration even succeeds under the weight of all this. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, sure. You know, if this guy is elected president, will he do everything he says he's going to do, or will he ultimately just become yeah. another wishy-washy yeah. politician? And, I mean, how does having this scandal in the background affect everybody? Well, before we wrap up, there, there's one scene I want to talk about just in terms of the craft, mm-hmm. particularly the writing. Uh, this, uh, the screenplay for the film was it was written by George Clooney, Grant Hestoff, and, and Bo Willeman. And the scene in which Ryan Gosling realizes that a sex scandal has occurred yeah. is so incredibly written. Yeah. Um, I, I was really blown away by how much is left unsaid and yet you know exactly what's happened yeah um you know he he's with evan rachel wood the intern they've they've had sex they've got this little fling that they're involved in it's two in the morning she gets a call he picks up her phone by mistake you know asks her who could be calling you at 2 30 in the morning calls him back calls the number back just to be playful and then- just yeah, just to be playful at which point the look on her face yeah and, you know uh-oh you know, uh, this yeah. is something big and then they don't even play the call. They don't even play the voicemail message or no. Clooney's voice or whatever is on the other line. It's just why is the governor calling you? Yes. And you, you know right away. You just see the look on Ryan Gosling's face. Just sheer and, horror. Right. And as soon as they show his face and him just standing there with the phone, you know, oh, my God, it's the governor. Before he even says it's the governor, yeah. you know, uh-oh, this is bad. And then um, she doesn't mention that she's pregnant. Or that she's thinking about getting an abortion. She needs. All she says is she needs nine hundred dollars, you know, to take care of she something. She knows who to ask for. Who else to ask? Right, and that's all that's said. And you know, oh God, she's pregnant. She's thinking about getting an abortion. This could be a campaign killer. Yeah. And the way that that scene was written, I thought was remarkable. Just with everything 
being left unsaid and how even though it's unsaid as a member of the audience I immediately picked up on it yeah and knew what was happening uh, and too. felt the weight of it. it like the the weight of it was so heavy yeah they didn't they couldn't say it yeah you know you just know everything's getting destroyed in that moment yes you know there's no going back yeah so I just thought from a from a writing perspective and in terms of how that scene was directed it really blew me away Oh, was, yeah, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about in regards to uh, the Ides of March? Anything else that stood out to you, a particular scene or anything like that? Um, you know, I, one image that stuck with me is when Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ryan Gosling were having that conversation where he tells him that he met with um, the other guy, Paul Giamatti's character, and just how they were stood, standing in front of that huge American flag. I just thought that was... A pretty neat image. Oh, just the silhouette. Yeah. One of the flag is he says, yeah, I met with Duffy. Yeah. Whatever. It's just this is what goes on behind the American dream. This is the BS that goes. Right. Yeah. yeah behind the, behind America and behind everything America stands for. There's all of this. Uh, back dealing. And, back dealing and corruption and manipulation. Yeah. That and I also enjoyed the, 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 the scene after that, the aftermath scene when they break the news to the governor. And it's literally just as simple as two guys, three guys sitting in a bunch of folding chairs in a guarded off rec, rec room. It looked like a rec room. Right. But it just, I don't know, I, I, loved, I loved the way he uh, framed everything. I just, I thought it was very well directed. You know, we, we, we talked about the final shot of that final zoom yeah. into Ryan Gosling's face. It reminded me of a shot that came earlier in the film, which is when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman gets fired. Yeah. And he steps into the car, and there's maybe a one-minute-long shot of just that slow zoom onto the car. Yeah. And we don't know what's being said inside. We don't know what's happening. And we just zoom in onto the car, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman leaves, and that's the scene. I thought it was very effective. Uh, I kind of wanted to see what, how that exchange was going down. I, I think you know. I think you knew how it was going to go down. Like I, I think seeing it would just been. I mean, I could have imagined that. That 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 was an example of a directorial choice that I thought was interesting, but I didn't feel it was necessarily. I'm not sure it was the best thing for the film, ultimately. And that's kind of how I feel as about Clooney as director as a, as a whole. He's clearly talented. He knows how to work behind the camera. He knows how to do some interesting things. Ultimately, I feel like there are a couple decisions, for example, that scene in the car or the way he chooses to end the movie, that I'm just not quite fully on board with. They just didn't quite fully connect with me, those moments. The grand scheme of things, I think, works overall pretty well. There are just certain details that don't quite work. All that worked for me. Um, I, I do think that it's... It was interesting. You and I went with a group of people, and I got the sense that some of them really weren't quite that into it. I don't think it was I, I think it's because it, he didn't show you the typical stuff you usually see right so I think that might have left some people feeling a little bit cold but for me you know as somebody who says through a lot of movies I always appreciate it when somebody gives me the benefit of the doubt of being able to connect the dots right I mean I, I definitely in that scene in the car I, I definitely understood what was happening I was just kind of like oh really you're just going to zoom in on the car that's kind of a boring shot at least Brian Gosling has an interesting face to zoom in on <laughs> But if you're just going to zoom in on the car, you know, why don't you why don't you let me see what's going on? Give me some idea. That's kind of kind of boring. Yeah. But I don't well, know. I think we both liked it overall. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think we both recommend that people go. 
I would, it out. I would go. Yeah, I'd check it out, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for our discussion on the Eyes of March. Don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be talking about The Thing. The Thing. We're going to be talking about that, the, the thing. You know, the thing? The thing. Yeah, the thing. The alien thing. That thing. Yeah. And I think that I'm looking forward to that. That should be interesting. Uh, we'd really appreciate your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. Uh, we're also on iTunes, so you can subscribe to the show. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review and help get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate it. We, we, we do rely on your support to, to stay running and to keep, every, to, to keep developing uh, new content every week. All right, that'll wrap it up. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Reddy. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.